You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Wednesday show for you. We are going to talk about the biggest surprises so far this season in the NFL. Teams and players. We're going to go over those over-unders in the NFL. Good Lord, <laughs> primetime unders are hitting at almost 80% this year. You just don't see that over the course of a season. Usually it evens out. And I feel I've been saying that for the last three weeks, and these primetime games keep going under the posted total. It is bizarre. We're going to talk about also what happened on Monday Night Football with the Buffalo Bills. Boy, they are just, they're a mess. And we're going to go over your NFL playoff picture and maybe some college football notes. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's get started in the NFL, where this past weekend, we had two teams that were right around a touchdown favorite at home coming off big home wins that ended up losing outright. Both of them led to start off the game as well, and that's Baltimore and the Bengals. And I already explained to you the Baltimore game yesterday three times during the game. They had at least a two-touchdown lead. They led at 17-3. They led 24-9. They led 31-17 with 11 minutes left in the game. Blew all those leads. We already know about Baltimore. Now, Cincinnati only led 7-0 start off the game, so not a big deal. But what happened in the Cincinnati game and what's been happening all season is C.J. Stroud not only is going to be the easily hands-down rookie of the year, this guy's in the MVP race. C.J. Stroud has three 350-yard passing games this season as a rookie, through his first nine games. Cam Newton and Andrew Luck are the only other two in NFL history to do that. C.J. Stroud still has eight games to go. My guess is he's probably going to have another 350-yard day or more. And I had the Bengals this weekend, so I watched pretty much all of that game. This guy is... I mean, this is... What's interesting about the C.J. Stroud season is being compared to Bryce Young because they were the top two. They were just like, okay, is it Stroud or Young? Young or Stroud? And Carolina just put their foot in the ground and said, we're going with Young. We like Young better. Well, how does that look right now? I'm not saying Bryce Young's going to suck for his whole career, but holy crap, he's going to be compared to C.J. Stroud for the rest of his career. No different than... Luka Doncic being compared to Trey Young the rest of his career. Trey Young will always just lose that battle because the Dallas Mavericks traded up and Atlanta let it happen and they decided to take Trey Young. So I I just look, I, I feel bad for Bryce Young. He went to a horrible organization with a horrible coach. I think Frank Reich has pretty much mailed it in. He doesn't have as much talent around him as Houston does. I will give him that. But if you've watched a Carolina game this year and you've watched a Houston Texans game this year, it is night and day. Bryce Young looks like a deer in the headlights out there, and C.J. Stroud has all the confidence in the world behind center. Picking apart defenses, rolling one way, throwing back the other. Like It seems like he knows where he's going before every play. The guy's only thrown two interceptions in nine games. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And they're 5-4, and four, which kind of goes to my next point. I'd say that there's four teams in the NFL this year 
that people are surprised at where they're at right now. And I, I think you'd all agree with this. Nobody is surprised that Detroit, San Francisco, the Cowboys, and the Eagles are good in the NFC. You know, nobody's surprised at that. I think the one team in the NFC people are surprised at is the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are 6-4 and four as we speak. And because they started 1-4. Minnesota's won five in a row. And two of them and the rest of the season will be without Kirk Cousins. But right now, the NFC stinks after the top seven seeds that I don't think any team has a chance to break into that top seven right now. And it's going to be essentially fighting for seeding at this point. And I went over the whole thing yesterday with the seeding and then coming to the Cowboys and all that stuff. And, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have a very tough stretch in their next four games. And then the Dallas Cowboys have a very difficult stretch in their four games in December. And right now the Cowboys trail the Eagles by two and a half games. But Cowboys are at Carolina this week, which is basically a win. And the Eagles are at Kansas City. So Cowboys win, Eagles lose. Now it's a one and a half game lead with seven to play. And you still play the Eagles at home where you've won 12 in a row the longest streak in the NFL. So I'm not counting the Cowboys out for winning the East. I'm just saying for them to win, they need to win the East or else they're looking at a five or six seed. And it's just, they're going to be on the road again. And especially if they're in that six seed, they're looking at Philly or San Francisco on the road in week one of the playoffs and wildcard weekend. And I, I, that just, you don't want that. But so I'd say in the NFC right there, Six and four Minnesota because they started one and four, and then lost Kirk Cousins. Now, in the AFC, I think there's three teams that you'd be surprised if I were to ask you right now, what's the Indianapolis Colts record? I'm guessing most of you would say three and seven, because if you would have asked me, that would have been my guess. They're five and five. I don't know how, but they are. We talked about the Texans, C.J. Stroud. They're five and four and have a very good shot at the AFC South. Not saying that the Jag- I mean Jag- look, the Jaguars are 6 and 3. They only have a one game lead on the Texans. So, it's not like they're running away with it. So, Houston is right there and they've proven based on some of their wins this year, they can play with anybody. They're not going to be out of any game. They're probably a team to watch as a road favorite as they were as the only win that the Carolina Panthers have was when Houston went there and lost as a three-point favorite. But anytime they're a dog against a good team, I almost feel you got to take the points because they're never going to be out of any game. Solid defense, fast defense, and offensive wide, they've who cares about the rookie quarterback thing anymore? We can throw that out the window. Through nine games, this guy's setting records all over the field. It's just he's been unbelievable which is another surprise because, as I talked about around NFL draft time, the last six quarterbacks to come out of Ohio State that put up ridiculous numbers in college have all flopped in the pros. And I was just like, look, you got to look into that. Well, doesn't matter with C.J. Stroud because he has been an absolute beast since he stepped on the field in the NFL. Nobody thought the Texans would be 5-4, and four, and nobody thought this guy would be putting up the stats that he has. The other team in the NFL, and in the AFC in particular, that I think a lot of people are probably surprised at, I'd say the Las Vegas Raiders. They're 5-5. Five and five. If you would have asked me what's their record, I would have said, what are they, 3-7? and seven? They're 5-5? Five and five? I, I didn't even... 
how, when, who, what, where? <laughs> because, you know, look, they were three and five. They fired Josh McDaniels and they've won two in a row with Antonio Pierce as the head coach. It's like, okay, they seem to have gotten a new lease on life because the stories coming out of Las Vegas involving Josh McDaniels make it seem like he was just an absolute martyr in that clubhouse and nobody liked him. And the whole organization, just none of the players liked him. They're taking pot shots at him. And look, they say that their season's been turned around. They feel revitalized and rejuvenized. So got to give them credit for that. But they're 5-5, five and five, and they're better than the Chargers. They have a better record than the Chargers. Who would have expected that? Chargers are sitting there, I believe, at 4-5 and five now. So I'd say those are probably the four surprise teams. Can any of them make the playoffs? Uh, Minnesota's the only one that's pretty much in, unless they have a complete collapse. But getting Josh Dobbs in to replace Kirk Cousins, guy's 2-0 uh, as in his two games in Minnesota, and he's only going to get more comfortable with the offense. Remember that first game in Green Bay, he hadn't even taken a snap with anybody on the team. He didn't even know his own receivers' names. The coach had to tell him what to look for when he was calling in his plays. He was just basically just – he wasn't even necessarily calling in plays. He was just saying, look, on this play, you're going to pass to this guy because he was so unfamiliar with the playbook since he had gotten there, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday of that week. And then he pulls out a win in Green Bay, and then last week he beats New Orleans. So they're a team that – I don't, I don't want to say that they're going to cause trouble in the playoffs because this is a team that can easily, you know – you look at the top half of the NFC, the top four teams in the NFC that I think people think could be the representative out of the NFC, Philly, Detroit, Dallas, and San Francisco. They're not in that class. They're going to lose probably in the first round of the playoffs. I just don't see Josh Dobbs beating any one of those teams. Right now, Minnesota, I believe, would be the sixth seed, or the, excuse me, the seventh seed right now. And so they would play the two seed. And right now the two seed could end up being right now. I believe it's Detroit, but you know, Minnesota and Detroit is a divisional opponent. They play each other twice a year. So if Minnesota has to go on the road to Detroit in super wildcard weekend, I guess it's possible they could win because anytime a divisional game is also a playoff game, you pretty much throw all statistics and records out the window. But those are the four teams in the AFC. It's going to be tough, but with the Bills struggling the way they are, I don't know. I There's possibilities. I mean, these teams are going to have to go 9-8, and 10-7. One of them is going to have to get to that point if they're going to qualify for the playoffs in the AFC for sure. I mentioned the Bills there, and this is a team that it's amazing what snapshot people can get of a particular team or a memory they have of a team, because the Bills still, I believe in 2023, are living off that playoff loss to the Kansas City Chiefs a couple years ago. The 2021 Kansas City Chiefs, where they went toe-to-toe with them, and after that game, Josh Allen was anointed as the second coming. And while he has a rocket for an arm, I'm sorry, but when you consistently lead the NFL for quarterbacks in turnovers... That's why you're sitting at 5-5. Five and five. Now, look, I understand that on Monday night he threw a pass that went through a receiver's arms and got tipped, and a guy intercepted it. That's not Josh Allen's fault. He's played halfway decent this year, except for the turnovers. And when you say except for the turnovers, 
and you quarterback leads the NFL in turnovers, I'm sorry, you have to take some of the blame. Buffalo has had numerous injuries on the defensive side of the ball this year, so I understand they're not going to be dominant defensively. But what has happened to that team after that Kansas City loss in the playoffs? It's like they're trending downwards. Last year they had a home playoff game and just got boat raced by the Bengals in Buffalo weather. This year they're not even headed for the playoffs based on the way they're going right now at 5-5. Five and five. You lose to Denver at home. And did you catch the end of that game? Not only did they lose to Denver, what happened? Denver has a 41-yard field goal down 22-21 as time expires, and they miss it. Yet, flag on the play, you had 12 guys on the field, Buffalo. Like, that is super, super, um, I don't want to say irresponsible, but that's just attention to detail, lack of attention to detail, and that's just too much. You can't have that at the end of the game. So he gets a 36-yarder, five-yard penalty, and he puts it right through the uprights, and you lose. Like, talk about a gut punch. Buffalo fans are going crazy when he missed the 41-yarder. And you can't even count who should be out there on your field goal block team. That's going to get somebody fired. Unfortunately, it got Ken Dorsey fired, the offensive coordinator. I, I, Not really sure about that firing you know I mean look I understand that somebody's got to take the blame and that's kind of the way it works but I you know Matthew Barry from NBC Sports had a great tweet yesterday in regards to Ken Dorsey getting fired he said yeah the bad luck is all Ken Dorsey's fault remember Dorsey also called the play where Gabe Davis let it go through his hands to be intercepted Dorsey also called the play where James Cook fumbled Shouldn't have called a fumble play or have 12 men on a field goal attempt. Also Dorsey's fault. Obviously, he's being very sarcastic there, but those are all good points. I understand that the fans were upset and the head coach, Sean McDermott, probably felt I have to do something after this bad loss on Monday Night Football in front of a nationally televised audience. I don't know if firing Ken Dorsey was the answer. Maybe it is. Maybe things will turn around. But if you continue to turn the ball over, I don't care who's calling plays. You're going to get beat. Somebody might want to create a song about primetime unders this year in the NFL because now we have had 32 primetime games in the NFL this year. Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football. 10 on Thursday, 10 on Sunday, 12 on Monday because we had two Monday nights back on September 18th and 25th where we had two games each night. So 32 games on primetime this year in the NFL and 25 of them have gone under. That's almost 80%. It's it's absurd why all these games go under. Even Monday night went under by half point, full point, depending on what you got your final closing line. I was either 46 and a half, 47, maybe somebody had 47 and a half, but once again this past week in the NFL for primetime, all three games went under. Carolina Chicago went under by 9 points on Thursday night. Vegas and the Jets went under by seven and a half points on Sunday night. Denver Buffalo went under by, you know, like I said, point, point and a half on Monday night. And here we are, 10 weeks into the season, and your over-unders or your your primetime unders, 
25 out of 32 games have gone under. Overall, unders are still dominating this season. This past week was only the, it's either the first, this might have been the only week, oh no, sorry, the second week this season where over the course of the NFL schedule for that particular weekend, more games went over than under. This past week, we had eight games go over and six games go under. So for the season right now, unders are still 90, 59, and 1. That's hitting at around a 60% clip. 90, 59, and 1. I mean, that is, again, absurd. (laughs) It's just just ridiculous that (laughs) 31 games over 500 is the under this year in all NFL games. Now, this past weekend, once again, when dogs win in the NFL, they win outright. Well, or excuse me, when dogs cover in the NFL, they win outright. Every single week, no matter how many dogs covered, at least half of them, now for 10 weeks in a row, ended up winning the game outright. This past weekend, eight underdogs covered. Six of them won outright. Cleveland wins outright in Baltimore. Houston wins outright in Cincinnati. Minnesota, an underdog, at home against New Orleans. They went outright. Um, Arizona, 2.0 home underdog. They went outright. The uh, Las Vegas, one-point underdog at home. They went outright. Denver on Monday night, they went outright. So there were two other games where the underdog covered but did not win outright. That was Washington covering in Seattle, which was the underdog play of the week for me. And on Thursday night, Carolina covered in Chicago, losing by three, and they were getting three and a half or four. So on the season, as I'm keeping tally of this, I'll keep it, tell you about it every week, 62 dogs have covered this year in the NFL. 62 dogs overall have covered this year in the NFL through 138 games. So it's a little less than half the games have been covered by the underdog. But 47 of those 62 have won outright 76% of the time. So three quarters of the time when an underdog covers the game, they just went outright. That's why I always say anytime you bet an underdog in the NFL, you might as well bet the money, money line. You will make money in the long run doing that. And this season has been no different every single week. At least you take how many, however many underdogs cover that particular week. This week happened to be eight. So I'm saying on any given week, when you take the final number of how many underdogs covered, whether it's seven at least four will have one outright. If it's 10, at least five will have one outright. It has never been a week where less than half the underdogs that covered didn't win outright. So keep that in mind going forward. A lot of big spreads this week in the NFL. Three of them, I believe, off the top of my head are double digits. So do you think any of them are going to win outright? I don't, but weirder things have happened. And, you know, one of the teams that I talked about, like I said, my underdog play of the week was on Washington. And while they have one of the worst offensive lines and they are on pace to set a record, their quarterback, Sam Howell, for being sacked the most times in one season, it's pretty amazing what Sam Howell has been doing. And this is from the NFL Rookie Watch Twitter account. Sam Howell may officially be the best quarterback from the 22 draft class, and it's not even really that close. He currently has more completions than any quarterback in the NFL. He's got more passing yards than every quarterback in the NFL outside of Tua. He's got more passing touchdowns this season than Kenny Pickett has in his entire career. And 
He's doing it all while being sacked the most times in the league at 44. Just three quarterbacks from the 22 draft class remain starters in the NFL. Pickett, Sam Howell, and Brock Purdy. And right now, Howell, who was a fifth-round pick, is putting up the best numbers. Probably didn't see that coming. I mean, he threw for a ton of yards at North Carolina. And maybe this bodes well for Drake May's draft status. Everyone thought he was going to be the first or second pick anyway, but the fact that Sam Howell excelled at North Carolina, went in the fifth round, and is doing what he's doing now in the NFL, everyone's expecting Drake May to be a first or second round, uh, first or the first or second pick in the draft. And maybe he's going to dominate like this next year. It'll be interesting to see. It all depends on what team you go to, who's around you, who your coach is. Because like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, who's one, who's two, who do you take? I mean, right now, Carolina Panthers have a lot of egg on their face because Bryce Young looks light years behind C.J. Stroud. It's only year one. I'm not giving up on Bryce Young just yet. But he doesn't look the part out there through nine games, and C.J. Stroud does. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Really appreciate that. Tell your friends about it. Let them know. Hopefully, we'll get some winners for you this weekend on Friday's podcast. So, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.